Troughs with your hosts Amit and Dion and today the episode is entitled So You Have a Baby, Now What? So let's get into it. So hopefully if you've been listening to the previous two episodes um, you will have heard about the stages that we've gone through which included preparing for the labour then obviously going through labour and now hopefully you've reached the other side of the rainbow where you have a shiny new baby. But of course, what do you need to think about now? Well, I think the starting point for us was trying to be as efficient as possible. Which we weren't. Which we weren't, exactly. (laughs) Um, So what do you need to start thinking about? Well, it's probably already dawned on you that you're going to need nappies, but you're going to probably need roughly 12 a day uh, and that's not an exaggeration. Um, places that are good to get nappies, we found, are Aldi, um, the supermarket chain, or uh, Lidl. Um, they both produce very good quality nappies um, at a fraction of the price of perhaps more expensive branded nappies. I think the Aldi ones are actually made by Pampers, so if you're a Pampers fan or you you know, it's a cheaper option for us. And we never had any leakage with those either, did we? No, they're actually, um, they're very good. Um, And I have to say, you know, for for the price that you're paying for them, they're well worth uh, checking out. And I'm sure there's lots of reviews um, online if uh, you want to do a bit of research first. The other thing you're going to need to buy um, is probably wipes, uh, baby wipes. Now, there are a couple of different types of those. Um, Some are called um, water wipes, which are, or profess to be uh, pretty much exclusively water, but they are expensive. So for babies that have sort of more sensitive skin, and you'll know if you have sensitive skin and your partner has sensitive skin, that there is every likelihood that your baby will also have uh, sensitive skin. So you might want to think about buying um, those products first um, and seeing how you get on. Um, An alternative to... Uh, baby wipes are just using simple cotton wool and water Um, the only I suppose disadvantage with doing that is the fact that you're going to need a bowl of water um, handy pretty much at all times of the day which can be a little bit inconvenient and of course um, when you're out and about with baby again it might not be that easy to get get a hold of but it's certainly um, a great deal cheaper um, to do it that way around next on the list is a nappy cream. Um, This is because babies, especially in the first few weeks, are quite prone to getting nappy rash um, and that can be avoided if you use nappy cream when you're changing them. Um, You can apply it quite liberally and that basically just means that their exposure to um, urine is minimised and therefore that should mean that they don't get um, as much nappy rash. Um, And again, places like Audi and Lidl do their own versions. You don't have to necessarily buy the the expensive branded uh, creams. Asta do a really good one. Mum's Net Flavoured, we've been using that. It's been really good. So there you go, another recommendation there as well. Um, If you're going to be breastfeeding, then you may want to consider getting a breastfeeding cape. I think I found one on, um, I got mine off of Amazon. It was a a generic make, but it's really good because it has a wire in the top that allows you to see baby. 
um, so that if you're out in public, so if I was out walking the dog and I had to stop on a park bench and feed Amelia, that gives you some um, some um, you know a bit of discretion when you're feeding her. Um, what was an absolute lifesaver and by far the best thing I was ever bought before Amelia arrived um, was the um, the nipple cream, the the Lanisso one. Um, and oh, do you know what? It was an absolute lifesaver. We got through a few tubes of it. Um, and I think I was, it, do you remember that time when I was awake? It was like with Amelia could only have been less than a week old and I'd had really like sore, sore nipples. Um, we put the cream on and you ended up having to go, it was so painful, you ended up having to go down the road to buy some <laughs> pre-made formula for her. And we almost forgot we had the cream at the time. Yes, um, yeah, I do. And, you know, again, it's... Apologies, I know it's a cringy subject, but it's it's something that could happen. It's quite common. Um, Certainly when we read up on it, you know, it happens a lot. Um, The nipples tend to get very dry and cracked and they can bleed. Um, And so, you know, the the cream, the numbing cream is is very, very helpful, Um, especially in those first few weeks when, when obviously you're not used to it. And on the subject of breast um, maternity bras, let's not underestimate the power of a good maternity bra, whether you're breastfeeding or not. Um, they are an absolute lifesaver, and and don't don't be, don't skimp on them. If you've got to spend twenty twenty five pounds on a decent maternity bra, it's well worth it because your breasts get really uncomfortable, even if you're not breastfeeding. You know what? When your breasts are winding down from that and working out what to do with the excess milk they they just become like rock hard cannibals and they were really uncomfortable so it's worth investing in um, they're awfully convenient and just incredibly comfortable um for the time afterwards we bought a couple didn't we from a few different stores as well we trialed a few yeah i think um for those types of things again um if you can shop smart then it helps um to keep those costs down in the first few weeks things like using i think we used perhaps uh, h&m and debenhams at the time Mm. Um, of course you know there are the bigger uh, more well-known brands and i'm not suggesting that you know they aren't comfortable i i don't profess no but um that's just two examples of department stores that we looked at that uh, obviously offered pretty good deals at the time oh and breast pads oh right okay Uh, so if you're leaking you can put them inside um even if you're feeding on one side you can get leakage on the other side um we got through quite a lot of those and you can pick them up quite cheaply from any of the good supermarket chains as well as um, high street stores like boots and super drugs so have a shop around and see what works for you i also know somebody that um, ran out of them and chopped up um, sanitary towels that they had left over when they left hospital and chopped those up and put them inside their bra. So, you know, you can be quite smart with this. You don't have to spend a lot. So the next sort of thing that we think you're probably going to need is um, bottles. If you're not going to be breastfeeding, you're going to need bottles and teats. And for these types of things, having several different types of teat may well help. Um, these are the, the the sort of the nipples, if you like, they go onto the end of the bottles. Um, they come with different what are called flow rates, and effectively that just simply means how quickly the milk will um, come out of the bottle. As the child gets older, 
the the exit the exit hole in the the teat will be wider so it'll allow more milk to flow through the teat itself so just make sure you check that before you buy um, any old uh, bottle and teat set so you're getting it for the appropriate age of your child um, in terms of recommendations um, we found the mam bottles um, to be quite good and also dr brown's were um Dr. Brown's bottles were quite highly recommended at the time. We didn't actually get around to using them, but um, again, you know, it can help to experiment because you just don't know what kind of thing your baby is going to take to. So um, having a couple of options is always helpful. So now that you've got um, those initial bits and bobs, in terms of actually being efficient, you now need to think about placement of those items uh, during the day. Um, for us, we try to have effectively three changing stations, if you like. The first was downstairs in our living room because we had our um, sort of cot, a mini cot, a base. Um, we did have a, a swinging cot in the, yeah. um, in the window, didn't we? Yeah. That was set up downstairs in the living room. We also had one um, in our bedroom and also one in Amelia's now bedroom. Um, now, the reason for that is because throughout the day, you're going to be changing nappies in various places. Uh, you're also going to need access to all of the, the above items um, in and throughout the day. So it really does help to buy perhaps two or three um, na uh, baby mats so you can have them uh, at all times of the day. And then again, maybe keep a couple of each of those items, the nappies, the creams and the wipes in those different locations, depending on where you are. It helps, especially during the night, during your first couple of weeks to have a mat, the wipes and the cream and the nappies, um, you know, next to your bed so that if you've got your baby sleeping with you in the same room, you can just simply take baby out, put them down on the mat on the floor next to you without having to mm. leave the room. It just means that you're going to get a few more minutes in, um, in, in terms of your sleep and sleep and recovery is very very important oh. in these first few weeks and don't make the mistake do you remember of changing baby on the bed and thinking I'm so tired I can't be bothered to put them on the floor and then we or god forbid that you remember that explosive poo you dealt with yes, that was, um, <laughs> yeah you, you yeah because remember everything everything that is going through baby at this time is liquid so it will generally speaking come out in the same fashion unfortunately um sorry if you're having your breakfast or your dinner um but yeah basically you need to use your mat efficiently <laughs> uh, because you are going to probably experience some accidents like we did and it's never it, nice to you have did. I, Specifically I you me, yeah. did um you will get um <laughs> unfortunately baby it went poo, up your trouser leg you'll get baby poo um in places you never thought possible unfortunately <laughs> so just bear that in mind um so moving on to uh things like again if you're not using if you're not going to be breastfeeding you might want to be thinking about using um a prep machine which basically prepares the milk uh, formula for you it, pre it mixes it adds boiling water and gives it to you at a perfect temperature now there is a brand out there called tommy tippy uh, and they have the perfect prep machine and 
you can buy that relatively cheaply again it doesn't have to be brand new you can find them secondhand all over the place just make sure that you clean them out and sterilize them properly before you're using them um, and again those can be very helpful especially during the night when you need to get access to that milk very quickly you're pretty tired and you just want baby to stop crying um, so just bear that in mind as something that uh, can make your lives a little bit easier and again as I stated in episodes one and two um, winding efficiently um, and knowing how to get the child to um, burp effectively after each feed is going to be an absolute lifesaver if you're not doing it properly or you don't think you're doing it properly then the best thing to do is probably to speak to your health visitor um, but again this is probably a time where you need to speak to friends or family members who have children or have had children um, because they may be able to lend a hand okay so you've come home from hospital ladies um, and gents and whoever else may be around to help you at the time and then the day after I mean I certainly wasn't expecting it even though I knew it was coming health visitor turns up to see how you and baby are let's be honest it's going to be a bit of a blur you're both absolutely shattered you have no real clue what to do with this baby. We certainly didn't, did we? Mm. Um, and I think when the health visitor turned up and we were still in bed and were completely delirious as to what time it might or might not be. But they will turn up, they will check um, your stitches if you've had any, um, your C-section stitches as well if you've had any. Uh, they will check baby's weight. It's very common for babies to lose up to 10%, I think, in the first week out of hospital. So they will weigh baby and check them over. They'll check if you're breastfeeding, give you any helps and tips, um, see if baby's latching on properly, which is really helpful. I didn't utilise the health visitor enough when they first came, and I wish I had in relation to breastfeeding, but we'll go on to that in a little bit. Um, they will also you know, speak to dad as well, and they will check out for signs of any um, sort of baby blues, which is super, super common, because I was not prepared for sort of how hormonal I was after Amelia was born. Um, uh, I was really lucky that Amit was well prepared for what was going to happen and you know you, you, you cry at literally anything um, but they are really useful and do lean on that health visitor when they first arrive um, also they will check the umbilical stump to make sure that that's okay and drying up nicely they will go through when's best to bath baby which I think is not until after the stump has fallen off yeah, and actually, that, that's, um, that's a good point about the stump because um, you need to be pretty careful with that umbilical cord stump for the first week or two. It's quite easy to get it caught um, on the top edge of the nappy when you're changing them. They have or the little cutouts, um, don't they, on the, the some, initial ones? Yeah, some do. I just think you need to be careful, especially when you're putting on baby grows and the poppers and things mm. like that on those baby grows, just not to get it caught um, you, you know, if it starts to look discoloured in any way, um, starts to go a bit purpley, then again, just keep an eye on it. Make sure you're cleaning around it um, gently with a cotton wool or, or with a baby wipe so that you're not um, letting it get infected or, uh, you know, uh, at any risk of it sort of being trapped. Um, and then uh, moving on from that, I think more generally... Uh, for the mums they should try not to take on uh, too much it's very easy to try to be um, 
a superhero and do all of this stuff you know on your own um but you should try and lean on people where you can and try if you can to get as much rest as possible in those first few weeks and so that you're spending as much quality time as you can with your baby um so to that end, household chores can wait. And it was something that they emphasised to us at, on the NCT classes and perhaps something that a lot of people will sort of disregard in a way. But it is really important to try and get rest um, because, you know, parents who are tired, who are just doing too much, will generally make more mistakes and probably feel more miserable. So prioritise sleep and recovery. Now I know that for a lot of people you'll be using um, smartphones to update um, everyone on how you're getting on but also it's well worth remembering there are lots of social media sites now that offer help and guidance for parents. YouTube is quite a good one for um, getting little tips and tricks and hacks to try and make things a little bit more efficient so do consider looking at that where you can. Um, there are also forums for people who are struggling so they can talk to one another and perhaps share ideas. Uh, so something that you might want to think about um, in those wee hours of the morning. The next topic, I think, which is quite important, deals with um, other halves. So this is going to be the, the significant other for mum who's just had the baby. Now, I appreciate that there will be some of you um, who are absolute heroes out there that don't have the benefit of having a partner to help you. Um, and and for you people, I commend you highly. And I sometimes I struggle to believe that you can even do this process on your own, but clearly you can. Um, and I take my hat off to you, and I'm sure Dion does as well. Uh, but if you are lucky enough to have someone who can help, then this is the time for that person Um to step their game up effectively so from my perspective um, if you're a dad at this stage you can sometimes feel a little bit useless like you don't really know what you should be doing but here's a few things that I think will help um, the first is that you really do need to support your partner um, with lots of hugs and kind words you just don't know how far they go especially as I say with there are issues regarding the baby blues, potentially postnatal depression and, and those sorts of things. Um, hearing nice words, hearing kind words, having support and patience is going to be really, really important to show your partner. The next thing I think you can be doing is prepping um, those bits that we talked about earlier. Things like um, cleaning um, the mats and cleaning um, bottles, sterilizers, any sort of formula prep machines, taking the time to clean up around the house if, if you have the time. And perhaps, you know, if you're not somebody who's particularly um, domestically adapted, shall we say, you could perhaps take on a few more chores. Um, you know, the hoover is pretty simple to figure out. And, um, you know, and again, washing up shouldn't be too, too uh, difficult a task. And I think lastly, what I would suggest is that you offer to take it in turns um, to feed the baby if you're if they're not you know breastfeeding um, and try to sleep in shifts where you can so when baby is taking a nap perhaps one person might want to creep off and get 
a cat nap in for say 20 minutes just so that you can recharge your batteries it will mean hopefully that you're in a better uh, position both mentally and physically to then take on the next set of challenges um, throughout the first couple of weeks so um, in terms of my own experience with that um, I had paternity leave for two weeks and unfortunately you know I don't think we get enough time as as fathers or partners um, with the baby but um, I was one of those people who really didn't get as much rest as I should have either and I went back to work after two weeks not really having much sleep and I think from my perspective it might be handy to pre-warn your employers that you are um, expecting and that of course um, in these first couple of weeks they're going to have to bear with you you may be snappy you may be irritable um, these might not be traits that you ordinarily exhibit but during these first two weeks it's more than likely that they are going to um, surface so if everybody's forewarned they're forearmed and I think it's it's much better all round if you're just honest with people and let them know that you're struggling so on the note of uh, the sleeping arrangements um, just think like we should add a little bit more there we'll be completely honest so we did struggle we didn't find it easy Amelia was a bit of a rubbish sleeper straight out of the gate wasn't she due to mm. a number of reasons like um, dairy allergy breastfeeding didn't work etc etc what we found really worked for us in the end was and you may laugh but it does work is sleeping in shifts and I just wanted to elaborate on that in so much as Amit would go to work do a full day's work bless him come home to me looking like something out of a horror film being absolutely shattered and what I would do is I would go to bed at around six o'clock in the evening and it would stay up till around midnight 11 12 o'clock at night yes and then he would come up, literally tap me on the shoulder, right, it's your turn now. And then I would come downstairs and sleep with baby downstairs, deal with her downstairs. So he would then get midnight till about six, seven o'clock in the morning to kind of recharge his batteries to go to work. It's not ideal, don't get me wrong. It's not going to bring you closer as a couple, but it saved us in the first six months, I would say. Um, it was an absolute godsend because at least you know you're getting six or seven hours of unbroken sleep. Um, and, you know... Don't be ashamed to try what works for you. I know other couples that have had partners sleeping in separate rooms, earplugs, you know, whatever works for you, for you to get sleep, it can only be a good thing. Yeah, I, um, I second that completely. Um, it is really, really important to get that rest and recovery in. You know, it's not easy. It's not going to be a walk in the park. Um, and if you can help each other then help each other where you can um, now moving on to uh, obviously the most important sound you're going to be hearing for the first probably six months to be honest of of your lives is your baby crying and actually the baby crying can give away a lot more than you think so you should try to if you can listen really carefully when your baby cries at certain times because generally speaking there are three main types of cry. Uh, the first is when they are obviously hungry. The second is when they are tired. And the third is when they're unhappy. And unhappy can be sort of broken down, if you like, into um, 
into sort of four, I think, four subcategories. The first is that perhaps they, they just want a bit of comforting. They want to feel close. They want the, your um, body heat near them and they want to some reassuring words and be able to smell you. Um, the second is that whatever position they're in, they're not comfortable. Perhaps they've got their arm or their hand trapped um, or they just need to be turned over or just had something shifted around. The third is that they've got a, the temperature is perhaps getting a little bit too warm or it's, or it's not warm enough. So just keep an eye on uh, a thermometer um, if you've got one in the room. And again, most baby monitors will come with a um, thermometer. And then the last one is um, when the baby is unwell. Now, I hope obviously that this doesn't affect you where possible in the first couple of weeks, but it can happen. And you'll know when they're unwell because the crying will become a lot more distressing um, and you will hear a, a, a definitely a different noise, if you like, a different kind of more distressed cry than you would if they're just hungry, for example. Um, Amelia, in our example, in, in our case, she had a lot of ear infections. So that would mean that her temperature would rise pretty rapidly and then she would exhibit this crying which goes on for a long time and she would be sick. Um, so again, just keep an eye out. If there's something that looks a little bit unusual, then then's the time, I think, to get on the phone to your health visitor or call your GP um, and have a word with them about some of the symptoms that you think you're noticing. And in terms of uh, monitors or thermometers, as I mentioned, I think it is really well worth investing in a good baby monitor. Um, we used, um, I think it was Spock in the end, to find um, our baby monitor. It's um, it's an angel care uh, monitor. You can pick them up, obviously, from any type of social media site, I'm sure. They don't have to be brand new. For, you know, Just make sure they're all working. I'll include a link in the description of this episode to the one that we've actually got. It actually has a two um, a, a color screen, a two-way microphone, a temperature gauge, and a little light above the camera itself, which um, illuminates at night. And by the way, that's not to be confused with the actual thermometer you will use for recording baby's temperature, which is usually an in-ear one, uh, which is really really useful. And you can our one, you can use it to get the accurate temperature of the room as well. Yeah, I think you can. As I say, pick up both types. You can you can get a room thermometer fairly cheaply if you want one downstairs, for example. Um, but as I say, most baby monitors will include a thermometer in them, and then you'll also need perhaps, as I say, um, an in-ear monitor which will measure the internal temperature um, of the baby. So, moving on from there, I think probably now you need to think about. Um, the type of environment you're going to give baby to sleep in and wherever baby is sleeping really it needs to be somewhere that's relatively quiet it doesn't have to be silent but it needs to be quiet um, you know if you live next to um, somewhere that has a busy main road or if you have a railway tracks like we do at the back of the house or perhaps even um, an airport nearby it, these are things that you need to think about to perhaps try and keep baby sheltered from those types of noises in the early few weeks and months um, so to that end you might want to consider using white noise 
and we managed to find a couple of free apps on our mobile phones and I'm sure they, they're available on the Play Store and the um, Apple Store where you can download an app and it has all different types of white noise um, from the sounds of hair dryers to waves um, on an ocean so perhaps it's worth checking that out um, of course when the baby was in the womb it would have heard very similar sounding noises so apparently it's quite comforting for them and it still works for Amelia to this day so um, that's a perhaps a handy little tip for you. Just tagging on from that I remember uh, the health visitor told us that um, the baby's understanding of day and night doesn't really kick in until they're around 12 weeks old so having them in a pitch dark room and complete silence doesn't really matter in those infant days it's more as they get a little bit older and and as you said earlier Amelia two years down the line still has white noise and finds it very useful and we have blackout blinds that do help especially in the summer months moving on from that um, I've touched earlier in relation to breastfeeding um, it's a subject that you know every mum's different I know people that went straight into bottle feeding didn't want to go down the breastfeeding route and I know some mums are completely adamant that breast is best I wanted to try it um, I know that that's what it's it's designed for you know biologically I, that that's what it's there for and I wanted to try it for her sake it didn't work for me I will be honest um, and there were a number of issues in relation to supply Amelia's uh, had a dairy allergy but the one thing you need to remind yourself, ladies, whatever you decide, is that if you do decide to try it and it doesn't work, it's not for everybody, but it's certainly not your fault. I really beat myself up over this. I felt like a real failure for not being able to do what I thought Kate should come naturally to me as a mum. Um, but, you know, do you know what? Fed is best at the end of the day. And if that happens to come from formula or expressed milk, then so be it. I did express for a while and I had... A breast pump that was amazing and she went on to a specific formula that was dairy free um, because she couldn't break down the protein in cow's milk um, and that worked really well until my supply dried up completely but please 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 don't beat yourself up over having to try a formula in any description fed is always best yeah i i second that that you know forgive yourself you know this is not something that comes with a manual it requires practice and it requires patience and if you can get help from your health visitor then use the help that's there it really is not going to be um, useful to anyone if you end up beating yourself up about something that you just simply you know sometimes can't change so just try to be as resourceful as you can lean on those people around you that can help um, and as I say the internet is is a bit of a gift and a curse there are some very helpful forums online but don't listen to everybody online that includes us <laughs> actually um, but you know just use your common sense if you know you're struggling then ask for help so now to the bit you really kind of need to know is like breastfeeding for me I was not prepared for how breastfeeding would actually feel having been through like 10 11 hour labor and giving birth etc when you do actually breastfeed if you decide to go down that route uh, your, your womb starts contracting again you actually start having real life contractions while it shrinks back to size and breastfeeding is great for helping that happen 
but it's really, really uncomfortable. And I was really not, in fact, not even uncomfortable. It's painful. That, that's what it is. It's painful. I wasn't prepared for it, but it does happen, ladies. So just to let you know, and guys, girls out there, whoever's supporting mum, if she's trying this, when that happens, just pat her on the back and say, it's okay. Breathe through it. It will pass. And it does. Um, the other thing as well in relation to, as I said, I touched on it earlier, painful nipples and breastfeeding especially before your milk has actually come in that's quite an unusual experience and can be really uncomfortable but as I say there are some breast creams out there that you can try that numb the area um, I've heard that um, nipple shields nipple guards can also be really helpful um, for for mums that have got painful breasts um, I found expressing actually alleviated a lot of the discomfort for me and I did do that in between feeds where I could um, but as I said um, breastfeeding wasn't for me um, Amelia did have a dairy allergy and I think uh, we did try the pre-made bottles of formula for her which she, she did like but I remember we, if I recall we were out to dinner one evening and it was like a scene out of the exorcist about half an hour after she'd had her bottle um, so I, I, you know, I feel like I didn't take her to the doctors quickly enough in relation to her feeding because I, I really didn't take up the help that was there and it's one thing if I can press upon people is to lean on the support that's out there whether that's family offering to bring around food if people are offering to bring you food you take it let them bring you food and fill up your fridge and freezer if it's someone offering you breastfeeding advice different positions what it should feel like listen to it all take it all you really don't try to be this superman because social media especially kind of creates this imperfect image of what mum should be and feel like and in reality it, it really does not exist um, and I didn't lean on the support that we had enough I was really lucky that we had a lot of support in relation from my mother mother-in-law friends family and I didn't lean on it enough I think I think that's 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 very true and I think it's easy to lose sight of what's really important in these first couple of weeks, which is just spending quality time with your family, with your baby and enjoying it. And it can be difficult in those first few weeks, but really do enjoy it. You know, this is the time you get to take pictures. If you're on maternity leave, you get to, you know, show your baby off to your friends and your family. This is your pride and joy. So really do make the most of it um they don't stay that small and cute forever so so you know try to uh not take that moment for granted and don't get too caught up in all of the uh, finer detail of parenting in those first few weeks uh, you know it will generally speaking you'll be all right um again um, as per usual if you have any comments or suggestions then please feel free to drop us an email. Um, the email address again is in the description, but it's pp and t. That's papa papa and tango two thousand and nineteen at hotmail dot um, So, hopefully, you found that useful. Again, um, apologies, it's gone a little bit longer than we anticipated, but uh, it was quite a lengthy topic. This one, and we wanted to make sure that we uh, gave you as much advice as as we could. Uh, so hopefully our next episode will be resuming uh, at our usual Sunday night slot. Um, and at the moment, we're still contemplating our next episode. So uh, look out for it and we hope to see you again next week. Thanks very much for tuning in. Bye. Bye.